You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. We have, we have a man of God in the house who's going to bring the word to us this morning. This is, this, is, this is my special friend and brother. You know, we've known each other for some decades. And uh, let me tell you something about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, years ago, um, he had a visitation from the Lord where he was commissioned by the Lord to take his healing power to this generation. So, so he has a mandate upon his life to bring the healing power of God to this generation. So we were together in the same church. He was one of my associates when we were pastoring in Lagos. And I'm so excited to have him here. We've been talking about this. And, we, you know, how many people want him to come? You want, you want him to come uh, to minister healing ministry. I don't know what you're going to minister on today. But I want you to know that we have been talking about a school of healing. And we want to do that sometime. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because there's something that he carries on his, uh, on his life. There's a grace upon his life. So he's been ministering around for the past three weeks. And I said, you must come here before you go. Or else our relationship is over. <laughs> you know, the Bible says the violent take it by force. The kingdom of God suffers violence. And so he's here, he's here this morning, and I just want him to come by fire, by force. Pastor. Hallelujah. Pastor Tonya Oliver is his name. Amen. Let's celebrate him. Feel at home. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This is an amazing community. Amen. 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 In every way, you guys are just awesome. The worship is wonderful, energetic, and full of life. I want to appreciate these wonderful people. Can we just do that? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I'm terribly, truly, awesomely excited to be here. I, I, like uh, the bishop said, <laughs> you know, I, I call him the Bishop of South Africa. That's what I call him. And then he calls me the Pope. <laughs> Amen. So, Bishop, I salute you. Bishop and Bishopress. <laughs> That's our joke. Amen. But your, pastor, uh, your pastors are amazing people. I'm sure you agree with me. I've known the Bishop and the Bishopress for ages. You know, and we've had great times of fellowship, great times of service and ministry, and uh, really, I, I just had to be here. Even though she was telling me that if I had not come here, our relationship was over, I said it's not possible, there's no divorce. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, I want you to do me a favor. Help me to appreciate my dear uh, friends, my brother and my sister. Just put your hands together and, and thank them. God bless you. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. I, I, was, I was so happy to see um, uh, Shama. Uh, he arrived um, after they had left Nigeria, and um, he's a big boy, you know, with his father's face. Um, exciting. And uh, PD, I saw PD the other day, uh, I think on your, on your uh, DP, and it's like, hey, who is this? All the stuff I saw. Praise God. <laughs> PD was so small when uh, they left. Or Rahila, beautiful kids. Amen. Amen. So I'm glad to be here. Um, I want to say greetings from Nigeria. My wife sends her greetings. Unfortunately, she cannot be here today or now, but I guess sometime in the future, we'll be coming together by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. I want to say a big congratulations to everybody here who had this um, child dedication. The word says that the seed of the righteous shall be blessed. We declare your children are blessed in the name of Jesus. I want to thank this church. It's a very vibrant church. I like it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope sometimes you, my Nigerian, Nigerianness will creep into my, my, my speech. So just, just adjust yourself. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, so, um, like I said, you know, this church takes very seriously the scriptures. Amen? 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 Amen. Yes, I saw it this morning. When you were dedicating your children, I said to myself, I have never seen or been in any assembly at one, where I saw so many dedications at one time. <laughs> so I said to myself, the word of God is coming to pass. He says, for, he said, you will be fruitful. And you multiplied it on the earth. And I said to myself, this church takes that very seriously. So I want to, I want to commend you. I want to appreciate you for that, that commitment to that scripture. I, I hope that that commitment extends to other scriptures. Praise God. Amen. So to all those who are dedicating their children, we, are, we rejoice with you. We thank God for your lives. It's an exciting thing. You know, and the Lord will bless you and he will also increase you and make you more fruitful in the name of Jesus. You know, I said to my sister, um, when you are giving her the certificates or stuff like that, I said, oh, okay, you even give a certificate of success. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. My friend said I'm home, so I'm home, yes? Okay, so I should just be free. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad to be here. Once again, I want to say the Lord bless you. And I, I trust that the word of God that we will share will also bless you tremendously in the name of Jesus. These are serious times. Amen. These are serious times. Can we pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for the privilege that we have this morning to fellowship as a family, as a community of faith. We thank you, Lord, because your word is here and your spirit is here. It's exciting to see what you have been doing in these people and through these people. Lord, we give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I ask that that which you have put in my heart, you receive, I receive grace to deliver in the name of Jesus. And your people receive grace to receive it in the name of Jesus. And together, Lord, we all are truly, truly blessed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Now, like my friend said, you know, I, I, many years ago, about 20-something years ago, the Lord appeared to me, and let me put it like this, he, I had an out-of-the-body experience. Jesus took me out of my body. Um, I was in, at home in the sitting room. Um, at home, yes. And this great force, this great power came upon me and dragged me out of my body. And my friend, I've never had that experience before. It was a fight. Amen. Because I, I said to myself, what is happening to me? Where am I going to? So I, I, so I tried to hold on to my body, but it's not possible. This power dragged me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm serious. He took me out of my body. Great force, great power. I could not resist the power and the, and the force that took me out of my body. 
I looked down and I saw myself, I saw my body on the settee in the sitting room. Sorry, I'm mean, used to words are not very, you know, like a settee. I don't know what you call it here. Okay, the couch here, yes. So you need the Holy Ghost to help you interpret. Praise God. Okay, he will help you in Jesus' name. So he took me out of the set, uh, out of my city, my body. I saw myself on the city, and then the, the the roof of the house disappeared. I saw myself in a void. It was dark and it was bright. You know, I was I could see clearly all was happening around me, but I was moving at tremendous speed, tremendous speed, awesome, tremendous. Now this force took me and set me out down somewhere outside the crusade field. There was a man who was ministering on the crusade, so I walked into a narrow path. And then I sat down to hear what he was saying. Now I can't remember what he said, but I listened to him. You know. <laughs> so after he finished speaking, I went around to the back of the stage to meet the fellow who had just finished preaching. And as I went around, I saw the Lord Jesus standing there in dressed in white. And he said to me, kneel down. And I knelt down. Then he laid hands upon me and said to me, take my healing power to your generation. And then I, next minute, I was back in my body. And my hands were clasped together. I could not separate them. And that was another battle. Praise God. You know, so eventually I was able to come around to myself. I started thinking to myself, what's the meaning of this? Because I, didn't, I had not really um, read about that kind of experience much. And it was in the Bible. Some people had had similar experiences. But around me, it was not very, very common. At least nobody was talking about it. And the church I attended at that time did not talk about such things. You know, so it was like I couldn't talk to anybody about it, you know, for about a couple of years. In fact, about three or four years, I couldn't tell anybody about it because I did not know what to make of it. I first thought to myself, so now my ministry, my work, it be going around from place to place, praying for sick people. Is that, what kind of work is that? <laughs> Amen. You know, that because I had no idea. But over the years, thank God for understanding and for the work of the Spirit, I've come to have a greater understanding about what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, listen, I didn't say this, but when I was sat down on that, in that, um, that crusade field, I had a distinct impression that I was in South Africa. You know, and at that time, I tell you, I didn't want to go to South Africa. Because it was right in the midst of the apartheid time. And I felt, no, I don't think I should be good to South Africa. You know, I should stay where I am. It's better than we. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But it's been 20-something years, going on 30 years. And I remember over time, I and my brother, we have been talking about South Africa, coming to South Africa. You remember? I once, about 20-something years ago, I tried to come to South Africa. It didn't work out. So I made up my mind that I will not come to South Africa until the Lord opens the door. You know, so sometime last month, oh, sorry, a few months ago, the Lord spoke to me clearly and plainly and said, go to South Africa. Amen. After 20-something years. So I immediately said that I knew exactly how to go about it. I called a friend, another friend, who had been with me in university um, way back. And I said to him, the Lord says to me, I should come to South Africa. And I says, okay, wait, I will, I will get back to you. So he was the one that set up all the meetings I, I have been part of. And, and then I called him and said, this is what I'm about to do. And I you know, we, we arranged, arranged that, and we arranged that I'll be here today. So the Lord sent me to this nation. Amen. Amen. You know, and I believe that the Lord knew I'll be talking to you. Amen. You know, you're hearing whatever it is he wants to put, you know, in my heart to share with you. And the Lord knows I'll also be blessed by just having that fellowship with you. Praise God. Amen. So this is not just a visit that was made just because I thought it was good to come to South Africa. The Lord sent me to South Africa. And I've been, I've been ministering for the past three weeks. In fact, as I landed on the 17th, on the, on the 18th morning, about 3 a.m., by 10.30 a.m., I was preaching in the church. You know, and in, as we, somewhere in the, uh, forgive me, I don't see names. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We, we need to be having uh, somebody to help us to pronounce those names. Amen. But that very first meeting, 
was not scheduled. I was supposed to start on Monday, but the pastor insisted that I must preach, speak to his people. And we saw about eight or nine people give their life to Jesus Christ at that meeting. You know, so that set the tone for the last eight days. Next eight days, we had meetings every day. I've, this is the 14th or 15th meeting I've had in three weeks. You know, so it's been wonderful. Great. Amen. Amen. Great, great. Awesome. Hallelujah. But in these three weeks, I've seen the Lord save souls. There was, I've seen him heal bodies. I've seen him do terrible and great things. Amen. Amen. And it's awesome to know that the Lord is working in this nation like never before. So this, today, I'm not talking about healing of the body. But I want to speak about something that is important for you to hear as a prophetic people. Amen. Amen. And an apostolic people. Amen. Why? Because it's about to rain. May I say that we have begun to see drizzles. 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 And these, the showers are about to fall upon us. You know, and I want you to understand this. And this is not to make you feel happy, but to make you get on, understand what the Lord is saying. South Africa is important in God's plan. Let me say this to you. This, let, me say to you let me say this to you. It's good to say yes, amen, but it means work, responsibility. Amen. It means that we must begin to adjust certain things and do certain things. Praise God. Are you hearing me? Aha, uh-huh, okay. That's my Nigerianness. Okay. The Lord spoke to me years back about the coming revival. You must have heard about it. I'm sure Pastor would have been talking about revival. You know, there is a move in the revival that's about to hit the nations of the earth. And Africa is going to be at the head of that move. There are two nations in Africa that are going to be part and part. I will spearhead the move of the spirit in Africa that will spill over to the nations of the earth. Nigeria and South Africa. Now, both nations are prophetically connected. You understand that? And it's important to understand that. It's not by accident that my brother and my sister are here. I, I remember when they were going, living, we left the, where we were at the same time. There are stories behind it. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. But it's been, it took them some while to get here. I know that they knew the Lord sent them. But they, you also must understand that the Lord sent them. You know, I read a prophecy many years ago about these things of which I'm speaking. And a, a prophet of God about 30, 40 years ago said that Nigeria and Africa will have a prominent part to play in this end-time move of the Spirit. And he said, listen carefully, he said, not a Nigerian prophet, not a Nigerian prophet, he's, he's, he's a Western prophet. He's, um, I think, from the U.S. or from Europe. You know, and he's never been to Nigeria. I don't know if he's been to South Africa, but he had never been to Nigeria when he was given the prophetic word. He said that if you turn the map of Africa on its side, Nigeria appears to be the trigger of a gun, and South Africa appears to be the, nos- the, the muzzle of the gun. And he said, from Nigeria to South Africa and to the nations of the, world, of the earth. Amen. But he also said that out of the overflow of Nigeria will be the blessing to South Africa, and, and South Africa will be the spirit of revival to the nations of the earth. Now, so what we are seeing here today by the grace of God is part fulfillment of that word. The presence of these two people here is part fulfillment of that word. Because that which was prophesied is about to begin to happen. And so we need to get ourselves ready. We need to prepare what the Lord is trying to do so that we can take responsibility, you know, for this move. It's enough in the church. We talk about revival, 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 revival. But listen to me. Revival happens when revived men act. (laughs) Revival is not an event. Praise God. Revival is the revelation of a restored people. Revival is the healing of the church. Every time the church is healed, revival breaks forth. 
So the fact that we ask for revival is indication that we have issues that the Lord needs to deal with. And the Lord deals with those issues, and as we begin to live in, those, in, those, in, that, in that state of renewal, revival naturally occurs. Amen. That's the, so sometimes we are praying for revival and looking up to heaven and say, God, when will it come? The Lord says, no, it has already begun in your heart. Amen. Am I speaking in English? Okay, so you can understand me. All right. So, it's serious business. It's serious business. Let me say it again. That the revival we have been asking and trusting God for, the Lord says, is about to hit us. But this is how it's going to hit us. As you hear what you hear, and you receive what you receive, and you act on what you hear, that revival will happen. Because you are the revival. I was praying many years back, and I had a vision, you know, or a dream. Let me put it like we said that it will not sound too spiritual. A dream. You know, we pastors sometimes, you know, vision. A dream is a vision, yes or no? Except that you are sleeping. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so I saw in this dream, I was standing outside, standing outside um, uh, an aircraft. It was regular looking aircraft, 737, normal looking aircraft. And people were lined up to enter into the aircraft. So I, I took my place on the queue and um, I got to the, you know, in Nigeria, when you want to enter into an aircraft, you have to, at the foot of, the base of the, uh, the aircraft, the stairway, you, you show your ticket or something. You know, so they check your, your, your ID and all that and then you go in. So I went in and but as I stepped into the aircraft, the aircraft transformed. It was no more an ordinary looking aircraft. There were literally hundreds of thousands of seats in that aircraft. I was like, come on, what's going on here? You know, how are we going to find our place in this aircraft? So I was thinking that when the air hostess beside me just began to answer my thoughts, and she said, okay, just look on your, on your, on your, on your ticket. Your seat number is there. Your, assigned, your seat is your what? Your assigned place. Amen. Do you know, I will explain that a bit later. So she says, look on your, on your, on your um, ticket. You will see your assigned place. So I look and I see, okay, fine. But as I'm going to make, I'm making my way into the, uh, uh, my seat, the pilot starts the engine as if it's about to, 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 to taxi and take off. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? I mean, nobody starts an aircraft and takes off when people are still standing. Otherwise, you have what they call the domino effect. You know? So I'm thinking that. And again, the same air hostess says to me, if you are in this aircraft, you will never fall. And I'm like, okay. Now, something amazing happened. As I entered into the aircraft, I saw people I had not seen for 20-something years, 30-something years, way back from university. You know, way back from university. So I was like, hey, what are you, how are you doing and all that stuff. So we were about to see. And then I began to ask the Lord, what's going on? What's going on here? Then, but I noticed something. The aircraft was less than half filled. Less than half filled. You had thousands of empty seats. So when I came out of that dream, I began to say, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord said to me, say, son, you have been praying for revival for years. He said, that revival you, are, revival you are praying for is that aircraft. And your seat is your assigned place in, in that revival. Thank God I have an assigned place. But I've come to tell you too, you have an assigned place. Listen to me very carefully. He calls us all into this great thing he wants to do. He does not exclude anybody, but you can exclude yourself. Are you hearing me? You can do what? Exclude yourself. And many people are excluding themselves by the decisions and the choices they make on a day-to-day -day basis. 
every believer, every child of God, every born-again believer, every follower of Jesus is called to be a part of this. Because this revival we're talking about, this restorative revival, which some people have called apostolic, whatever, the big names for them, amen, is simply, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's simply the revelation of Jesus in his fullness through the church to the nations of the earth. That's why I'm so excited. I come here and I hear the word Christocentric. I love it. Amen. You know what it means? Jesus-centered. You know, many years back, the Lord showed me seven things he said you must look out for in any church, that, for that church to be truly apostolic. And the first thing he showed me was the church must be Jesus-centered. Not tradition-based, not culturally-based, not man-thinking-based. It must be Jesus-centered. From, from there, all the other things that we must look out for flow. You may have every other thing, but if you're not Jesus-centered, what happened in Ephesians about 1 will be your portion, God forbid. Amen. Ephesians 1, we are told about, sorry, not Ephesians, sorry, Revelation chapter 1, we are told that Jesus, in his revelation to the church, through the hand of John, speaks to the church in Ephesus and says, you are doing many wonderful things, many great things, many good things, but I have something against you. You have left your first love. And then he says some of the most terrible things you can ever hear. He says, if you don't repent, I will come and take away your candlestick. What is a candlestick? His presence. And you read other scripture, other words to the other churches, you will find out that he does not use such, you know, the judgments he, 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 he warns them about is not as terrible as what he speaks to the efficient um, church about. Some he says, I will punish you, I will do this, but he never says, I will take away my presence. Listen, it's, why do you think David cried? He said, David said, Lord, don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. He said, Lord, it's better for you to discipline me, better for you to, to smack me down and do all that stuff, but don't take away your presence. Why? Because his presence is life. So he tells the church in Ephesus, I will withdraw my life, my presence from you. I will leave you empty. Over you shall be written Ichabod. May that not be our portion or experience in the name of Jesus. So listen carefully. If a church must truly walk in what the Lord is speaking about, then the first and the most important thing is that that church, and I say church, I'm speaking to individuals now, because when we hear, sometimes we hear messages like that and we just apply it to the whole body. No. When the gospel is preached, it may be preached to a crowd, but it's speaking to one. Amen. So speaking to every one of us as individuals, we must recognize that the presence of Jesus, the, the revelation of that presence, and our walking in that revelation is crucial at these times. So the Lord says to me, I'm praying and asking the Lord, what does this mean? The Lord says to me, okay, this revival you are talking about, this outpouring of the Spirit you are talking about, this thing you are talking about is about to happen. That's why the pilot started the engine. This was like eight, nine years ago, and I'm saying to you, Lord, Lord, wait, what? I wanted to speak in pidgin English. In, in, you know, if you want to say, oh, what's happening? You say, waiting. Eh? Lord, waiting happened. What is going on? Amen. I was saying, Lord, you said nine years ago, ten years ago, that this is about to happen. I've not seen it, too. You know? But listen, when God says now, that now may be five years. Amen. Abraham found out that by, 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 by experience that that noun, <laughs> I have made you, was 25 years. Praise God. Amen. God says to me, take my healing power. That's 20-something years. Amen. So what am I saying? But it was about 8 years or 10 years ago he said those things. But you see, I believe 
Listen, I believe that that which he said then is about to happen now. And you know, one of the key indicators for me, the signs he gave to me was one, I would begin to meet people I had not met for years. The brother who, who opened the door for me to come in here, according to how the Lord led me, I had not seen him for almost 30 years. I met somebody here too who I'm not seen for about the same period of time. And I was speaking, saying the same things to their church. That this is what the Lord is doing. You know, the Lord gives a different message to, to churches. What I'm saying to you, I, I didn't say in some places. Why? Because they did not need to hear that. They needed to come to a different place before they could hear that. But the Lord is, gave me a message for you and I want to deliver it. Everything I've said now is just introductory. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The aircraft was the most ordinary looking aircraft outside. But the moment you stepped into it, it became something else. What does that mean? It simply means that this so-called revival or restoration that we are speaking about, from the outside, it may look like nothing much is happening initially. But for those who step into it by faith and obedience, they suddenly find themselves involved in one of the greatest moves of the Spirit. Listen, and by the time that it gathers steam, some may be afraid to enter into it. You know what the Bible says in the book of the Acts? That when the Lord began to do great things to the church, he says that people were afraid to join themselves to the church. Why? They were hearing stuff and saying things that they said, I wish you is safe. You know, they heard that Ananias and Sapphira did some things. We'll call them Magomago. You know, they tried to play tricks on God, you know. And they heard what happened. Well, said, I wanted to give my life to Christ before, but this one, I'm not sure this God is dangerous. You know, people will hear and see things and they will be afraid. The fear of God will rest upon people, upon nations. And it will do that because of what God is doing in your life and through your life. So that is to give you a background of what the Lord is trying to do. And I think, I believe that this church has been, is being raised up by God to have a prominent part in what he's doing. I believe that. It's not left for us here as a people to say, Lord, we receive that commission. Because to do it, there sometimes may need to be a break from the, the normally accepted way of doing stuff. You know, when Jesus came to his disciples in the beginning of his ministry, the Bible says he began to proclaim a message of the kingdom of God. And he began to invite men and women who were Jews to be a part of that message. Now, you remember he was not speaking to unbelievers when he began his ministry. The nation of Israel were a nation of believing people. And people of covenant. They knew God and had a relationship with God. They had established practices and established a culture that was based on the revelation that they had before Jesus came. But when Jesus came and began to call them to a new thing, some people rebelled against it. You know what they said? This is not the way we've been doing it. Who are you? And what are you? Why should you say, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men? Who can, can we compare you to Moses or to Abraham? So they were stuck in one mindset and one mode, one culture, that, and they were being required to leave that and transit to a new one. But it was those that made that decision to follow him, 
that the Bible speaks about and says, for as many as received him, to them did he give their power to become the sons of God. And it had been so in every move of the Spirit of God over the, over the, over the centuries. He always speaks to the, to the general and brings out a, a people. Amen. Amen. And so it is in this end time, in this walk of the Spirit at these times. Because these are the end times. Amen. You don't believe me? I'm telling you they are the end times. Now, I don't know how long the end times will last because it began since Jesus came. But, amen. It will be the, but I know, I believe that. So unless you are willing to make that transition to follow him in anything he's asking you to go into, uh, then you're going to have challenges. Amen. So when pastor says we are moving in this direction, it's not for you to start asking, pastor, you know, are you sure that this is not the way we normally do it? No, 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 no. It's for you to be sure in your heart that the Lord is leading him. Amen. Then you follow. And when you follow, you'll find the fruit of your obedience. Listen very carefully. From amongst you, God will raise up a great and mighty army of people. We're going to see ministries breathed by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the commission of the church was not designed to be um, uh, what I consider to be attractional. In other words, we're not, sitting, we're not meant to sit there and tell, you to tell the whole world, will you come to my church, our local building, where we meet? Our pastor speaks good English. And besides, he has a fine wife. And then we have beautiful people in the church. They will love you. That's not the commission of the church. The, Lord, the church was told to go into all the world. Amen. And we're going to see that radically redefined in this day and age. Men and women who receive this mandate will change their worlds. Okay, let's read the scripture from the book of John. Amen. John chapter um, 21. Okay. Okay, John chapter 20. Are we there? John chapter 20. John is the third, the last book of the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are all cousins. Amen. I hope you don't believe that. Amen. John chapter 20. Are you there? Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. This is the message the Lord gave to me for you. Then said he to them, verse 21, John 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now, he was speaking to people that had worked with him for three and a half years, that had been prepared, trained, taught, instructed in the ways of the kingdom. These men and women had had supernatural experiences. They had had revelation of who Jesus was. One of them had had the Lord speak to him, and God speak to him and said to him, that this is, my, this is the Christ, the Son of God. Some of them had sat with Jesus Christ and they had seen the vision on the Mount of Transfiguration and they had had a voice saying to them, again, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. May I say this to us, please? That the, the, one of the most dominant things we are going to find in our generation this day is that people will rediscover personally a Jesus who is alive. You know, there is a cult, there's a cultural Jesus. There's a religious Jesus. There is a Jesus that is locked away in a book. But the Jesus of the Bible is not hidden in a book. The, he's bigger than the book. The book reveals him. Amen. He's the living Christ. He is the one that came out from heaven. The world became flesh. And that Jesus wants to be real to you 
and them to be real through you. You see, the ministry of the church, the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ, is a ministry to witness of one fact. Jesus is alive. Every testimony, there was a guy who came for the meeting, one of the meetings we had before, he was a drug addict. Came for that meeting. The first crusade, the first meeting, the first day of the crusade we had uh, somewhere, he was a drug addict. He came, I came to the prayer line and said, he wants to be delivered from drugs. And I was preaching about the Jesus who is alive. So I said, you want to be delivered from drugs? He said, we ministered to him, we prayed for him. And he was saved and delivered from drugs. I mean, totally delivered. I mean, not like going to rehab. Amen. I mean, he was, he was rehabbed by the Holy Spirit himself. I know this is, this, this is even the, the, the great part. I didn't even know that his parents were in that same church. So on the last day, we had a testimony service. So the mother comes and says, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so thankful to God. God hit my husband. God did that. And then God, God said, my son, my son was giving me problems. He was on drugs. He was this, this, this. Now I'm so happy. And she was crying. Then I realized that that was the mother of the young man who gave his life to Jesus Christ. And the father was in the congregation. You know, it was a teary moment. Everybody came together. We prayed with them. But you know the funny thing? Just on Friday, was it Friday? Yeah, on Friday, on the last night of our Pretoria Healing Crusade, a whole bunch of people came from that church. And that boy was one of them. I almost didn't recognize him again. That is the Jesus of the Bible. He's a living Jesus. You know, until Jesus comes alive to you, you will not know his reality. Sometimes in church, we can hide under the collective. We clap, we sing, we jump, and we shout. We even cry sometimes. But we leave home without that inward revelation of a Jesus who is alive. And every day we'll go about and he's so far away. You know, and we think, okay, quiet time. No, quiet time is a wonderful thing if it's an experience or a meeting point with you and Jesus. You don't take quiet time, say, official duty done, quiet time. And pastor says, did you read your Bible this morning? Yes. Did you have your quiet time? Yes, pastor. But what the Lord wants to see is that inward revelation of Christ. And is that, this is the greatest truth that this apostolic restoration will restore. The Christ who is alive. Amen. Alive in us and alive through us. Until he lives through us, our revelation is not complete. Amen. You see, the world does not want to hear about how Jesus is until they see how he is. They want to see it. In chapter 12 of the book of John, some men came to, to Peter and John and said, some Gentiles, some Greeks, and said to him, we want to see Jesus. Sometimes we, we need to stop talking and start showing. Amen. Start revealing. And it's not what the bishop and his bishopress will do. It's what you will do. Amen. Amen. Wherever God has sent you to, that is your world. If you are a teacher, that is your world. We sit here and we talk about how bad things have gone. We talk about how, how the society is decaying. We talk about the hatred and the, the bitterness that exists in society. And we're asking God to heal it. And the Lord is saying, no, you heal it. Why? Because you are the light of the world. How? You are the salt of the earth. But you can't do this until Jesus becomes real. 
until you understand what it means to be a let me, let me listen to me very carefully. The word Christian sometimes deceives us. So sometimes I stop using the word asking, are you a Christian? No, no. I'd rather ask you, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple? Why? Because if you go to the prison right now, as I'm talking to you, and ask everybody there to, 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 to identify themselves by religion, you'll find some people there calling themselves Christians. Yes? yes? And they are, not, they are nothing like Christ. But they are there because that's the cultural Christianity. That's the social Christianity. But the Christianity of the Bible is simply a confession of Christ in you. Antioch, the Bible tells us, John Acts chapter 11, when they saw the believers, the, the, the unbelieving people, the world began to call them Christians. It was meant to be a derogatory word because they are like Christ. But unfortunately, that word has stuck and become socially acceptable. So we want to kick it out and choose the word followers again. Amen. 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 So Jesus says here, as my father has sent me, so send I you. That reveals a template, a pattern, a revelation. He says, in the same way my father sent me, that's how I'm sending you. So to truly understand the mandate of the church, because when he said that to his disciples, they were the first members of the church. They were the core, the seed of the church that was being sown. So to understand what and how we are to do what we are supposed to do, we must ask ourselves an important question. How did the Father send Jesus? Because he says, ask. The word ask means in the same way. So, but you see, in the church, we don't think about these things many times. So you need to go back to the manual, which is, as my Father said, and where do you find that revelation? I'll tell you where you find it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, there was a time in the church we, 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 we lived in the epistles. Praise God. We were... We were, we were talking about who we were in Christ Jesus. And it's legitimate. But to understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you must first understand who Christ is in you. In this generation, in this day, the revelation we must first receive and add to all others is who Christ is in you. Jesus said, the things I say is not my doctrine, it's my Father who lives in me that says those things. The things I do is not me, my Father who dwells in me that does those things. So he's talking to all of us, not to pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers. Every one of us must understand this mandate. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. Sometimes we need to redirect people to the, to the Gospels and say, you need to go back there and meet Jesus again. Now for me as a person, the Gospel was and is the foundation of my, of my, of my, of my faith. I had to meet a Jesus who was living before I could understand what he did in me and, doing, and did for me. Amen. Amen. You know, I was praying some time ago, the Lord began to show me something. He said, the gospel contains the revelation of Christ. The epistles contain the explanation of the revelation of Christ. So everything in the, gospel, in the epistles was explaining something. It was not introducing it, it was explaining. For example, Paul said, that we are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Then also, but the Bible says in the Gospels, he that is born from heaven is born from what? Above. That's the revelation. The explanation tells us how that happened. We are seated, we are in Christ, raised up together with him. So understand, the revelation is in the Gospel and the explanation is in the epistles. You cannot truly understand the explanation until you go back to the revelation. 
And where does it start from? Jesus called some fishermen, some crooked fellows, tax collectors like me, you know, some terrible people, you know, and said to them, follow me. I will give you a life-changing experience. I will make you fishers of men. Hear me very well. I was so excited when I heard that you, you have, um, you did a series on um, um, tracking your destiny or something like that. Um, laying what? Okay, laying tracks your destiny. May I say this to you, my friend? If you don't understand the beginning of that revelation, you will lay the wrong tracks. There's a secret. It is not, you see, your destiny is not your making. It is your discovery. You don't create a destiny, you discover it. Look at the scripture. Everybody who fulfilled their destiny, not the one they created for themselves, their own destiny began with the revelation of Christ. When Paul was doing what he was doing, looking for whom to kill, God forbid. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus met him. Met him on the road to, to Damascus and revealed himself to them. Now, when Paul was speaking about that, he said that God, in, in the book of Galatians, said God separated him unto the, the, the gospel even before he was born. So it was his experience with Jesus that actually laid the tracks for his destiny. That's why Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you. Listen, it's not by principles. Thank God for the principles. Amen. We can use them. Hallelujah. But listen to me very carefully. You can use them to your own detriment. Because what gives the principles meaning and purpose is the revelation of the person of Jesus. So you start with Jesus. Many people never came to Jesus Christ. They came to the church. Many people never came to Christ. They came to the church. They came to the concept of being born again. They came to the idea of going to heaven. They came to the idea of not going to hell. And that's a good, a good idea. Not going to hell. Amen. But you, until, you have, until you have that personal contact, that personal revelation, that it is not a theory, not that it's a prayer, not just, you know, uh, any such thing that saved you. It was a person that saved you. And that person must live in your heart. You must consciously know that you are following not a fantasy or an ideology. You are following a person. It is in following that person that he begins to make you. So that even as your ministers are teaching and preaching, you know, you can relate with what they are saying. You can even understand far beyond what they say because there's somebody that you are following who is teaching you. So he will speak to you through their ministries because that's why he raised them up. They will say, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul never met Jesus in the flesh. But there was such a consciousness of that relationship between him and the living Christ that it said, Paul always said that I may know him. Who was the him he was talking about? Christ. When Daniel said, those that know their Lord shall be strong and do exploits. Perhaps he was looking prophetically at this day and age. Because everywhere men have known their Lord, they have, done, they have been strong and done exploits. There are men who have known about their Lord, never done nothing. And the worst part, those who don't know their Lord shall be weak and be exploited. Yeah. <laughs> Are you hearing me, somebody? Yeah. So this is the challenge the Lord is bringing to every one of us as individuals. Hear the word of the Lord. As my, as I, as my Father sent me, I send you. How did the Father send him? 
First, the Father sent him in power. Amen. He was holy and totally committed to the will of the Father. So there was a complete, a complete death to the man, Jesus, and a complete living unto God in his life. Likewise, there must be a complete death unto ourselves and a living unto Jesus in our walk with him. That we may be able to say, it is not I that live it, but Christ that liveth in me. For many of us, that confession is a confession. It's not a reality. May it become a reality. Because you see, as the Lord begins to deal with us in this way, first he will heal his church. Listen, and as he heals the church, the church becomes an instrument for healing. The reason why the church is weak, in my country, they keep on saying things like, there are so many churches everywhere, and yet there is so much corruption in our society, so much this, so much that. Part of the problem is that the church itself needs to be healed. So Jeremiah laments and cries out, oh, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no balm in Gilead? Why then are the, is the wounds of my people not yet healed? The balm of Gilead is the son of God. When he heals the church, he, he heals, you know, the divisions within the church. He heals relationships within the church. A church that is sick cannot bring healing to a dying world. It's not possible. In the meeting we had, a young girl comes forward and says she wants to be prayed for. She's at local health with her parents. You know, they don't say they've had bad relationship with her parents. And she wants to be prayed for. I said, the, the, answer, the, prayer, the prayer we need is not prayer in the sense of prayer. You need to forgive your parents. And then you need to ask your, your parents to forgive you. It does not matter what they have done. You need to forgive your parents and ask your parents to forgive you. See, we need to receive forgiveness and we need to offer forgiveness. When Jesus came, he brought an offer of forgiveness from heaven and which we accepted through faith in him as we chose to follow him. His father sends us the same way. Go and make that offer. But before you make it to the world, make it to those in your house. Husband, forgive your wife. Wife, forgive your husband. Children, forgive your parents. Parents, forgive your children. Listen carefully. This nation is set. God will use this nation. But the degree to which God will do, use this nation lies in what happens in the church. As I walked about, um, was it yesterday, I saw people at, at there was a, a mall, a big mall went to, I saw people, all kinds of issues, you know, they were just having a nice time. And I said to my friend, on the surface, things look so good. You know, but I said to him, I said, there's so much division in, 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 in this, so much bitterness in, in society, so much anger in society, so much distrust in society between, between races, you know, between, between peoples. And I said, it's just waiting for something to cause it to erupt. But the healing balm is looking at me right now. When you find healing, when there's healing in this church, healing in the church of Jesus Christ, it will show the world exactly what God can do when Jesus lives in his people. Amen. This nation will be healed. Amen. Because the Lord will use you as an instrument of healing. Amen. You know, love does not insist on its own rights. Love does not justify 
its own offenses. Love simply forgives. No excuses. No explanations. I forgive you. Now, somebody needs to go home and forgive somebody. The person you are forgiving does not need to offer an explanation. It does not need to offer a reason why. You just tell the brother, I forgive you. And I release you. No holds, no offenses. If you do that, that sickness in your body will disappear. Complaining about the problem in the stomach. The tummy has been doing this. You've been to the hospital, been to the doctor. Just go and forgive. Bitterness will twist your intestines. I'm telling you. You may have a reason to be bitter. But you don't have any justification for bitterness. So when you go home, go and offer forgiveness. Somebody hearing me? Go and offer forgiveness. So as my father has sent me, so send I you. I don't want to go beyond this because we can go on and on and on about the different ways this happens. But listen, listen to me. I mentioned and I said the father sent Jesus in power. The father sent Jesus in power. Where is the power of the church? Now, I don't mean where is the power of Pastor Eric and Sister Alba or any of the pastors here because I know they're anointed. Amen. I said, where is the power of the church? The first church was the lay people's movement. The first church, that's why you read. I ask this and I say this again. When you look at what happened on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people. The Bible says apostles and men and women. There were only 12 apostles, but all were anointed for the same purpose. The apostles had their responsibility, but all were anointed for the same purpose. And the Lord spoke to me and said to me, and I said to you, he said to me, he said, in these end times, these days, his secret weapon, women. You know, women have been abused, marginalized, trodden down, and the answer is not female liberation. Amen. The answer is simply the restoration of our identity in Christ. You know, the world is trying to correct something by creating a bigger problem. So we have the gender wars that are being fought in the world, which are sometimes crept into the church. You know, women now begin to say things like, what a man can do, a woman can do better. Have you heard that before? That lie was born in hell. Amen. From the deepest parts of hell, if you have been there before. Have you been there before? No. Thank God for your life. Amen. <laughs> That is not God's mandate for the woman. It does not say what the man can do. The woman was not designed to do what the man can do. That's why she was different. She is different. So in discovering her uniqueness, she finds her place. It's not in trying to be like a man. She's not going to succeed. Amen. She was unique. She is uniquely designed and anointed from heaven for that purpose. And the Lord said to me, said, when you go to a place and you are preaching and you are equipping, equip women as if you are equipping men. Spiritually speaking. Women must flow in the gifts of the spirit. Women must lay hands upon and the sick with the cover. They must cast out devils in their nice voices. Come out! 
I cast you out. It doesn't matter how you say it. They will go out. Amen. Amen. You know, women have this idea that that's not a, a woman's job. It's a man's job. I was preaching somewhere in Lagos, and I, I was saying the same things to them. And somebody was in the congregation. The person was thinking, that's not for sisters to do. Because, you know, sisters have women's ministry. So if there's cooking to be done, women's ministry. Children to be taken care of, women's ministry. No, women's ministry is more than that. Amen. So as she made that statement in her mind, the Spirit of God told me, and I, I stopped preaching, and I said, somebody just said this. Who are you? And the sister does like this. I said, no, you are wrong. And I said to her, I said, in the, in the upper room, there were men and there were women. When Jesus said, you shall receive power, he didn't say, apostles shall receive power. He said, everyone who is in, receives, the Holy Ghost baptism receives what? Power. Women inclusive. So Philip had how many daughters? Is it seven or four? Seven. How many tried? Seven daughters who did what? Prophesied. But how? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Women, rediscover your power. Rediscover your purpose. Please don't overthrow your husbands. Find your place. Amen. Because in these end times, women are going to be mightily used of God as he used them in the beginning. You know, the devil thought he messed up women folk when he got if to do what she did. And for many years, we have helped the devil in that area. But the Lord will do a wonderful thing. Because the church itself is a revelation of God's wisdom. He will take you the devil thought he has messed up and messed up the devil. Amen. So we're going to see women anointed to cast out devils. Lay hands upon. All our sisters who are singing, you will sing and demons will leave. You will sing and God will give you prophetic experiences. There is a ministry that goes beyond having a good voice. It's when the power rests upon you. You shall receive power. You know something in the church? You know when I say I'm, stop, I'm running up, I say it three times. It's the third time I stop. Amen. So I've said this once, this second one. I'm running up. Amen. If we are going to experience what the Lord is talking about, he says, as my father sent me, so I send you. I've said to you, you all need to go back to the, where he and to see how he was sent, how he walked with the father, what the father told him. Because he said everything he taught was not his, it was the father that gave it to him. That's why you read in the scriptures in Acts about 2, verse 42, that the early apostles, when they began to teach, he said, the Bible says, the people continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, their teaching. Now the question is, what was that teaching? It was what Jesus taught them, by what he said and by what he did. But when I look at my, 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 our church today, you have to ask yourself a question. Did Jesus actually teach what we teach sometimes? No, it's the truth. You look around, you go and put on your television. I've seen some things in South Africa. I wonder. <laughs> I thought we had a problem in Nigeria, but I think there's a bigger problem here. <laughs> because just as this country has, is feeding from our good by the, by, the, by the will of God, so the devil is feeding this country with the evil in our own land. So God has raised up this. You must stand against such things. There must be no meekness. Because you are meant to contend for the faith. You cannot be willing to please people and offend the Lord. Jesus had to call out some people sometimes. As my father sent me, so do I what? Send you. You are not called to be socially acceptable to people. Amen. You are called to be 
a rebel, a revolutionary. So don't try to please your neighbor when he starts talking rubbish. Sometimes you need to walk in the power of God. He has no mouth to say anything. Like my friend said, you know, we had a meeting and um, some, there's some pastors who have some funny ideas about some funny theology. I am not a theologian. Praise God. I simply follow Jesus Christ. And I follow those who follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This guy has some funny theological ideas about what must be done. But at the meeting on Friday, at the meeting on Friday, my friend, you know, after the meeting, after the Lord had done what he would do, after the Lord had healed, after the Lord had spoken to us, at the meeting on Friday, he came to my friend and said to my friend, I want to meet the pastor. My friend said to me, he said, you can argue with a doctrine, but you cannot argue against an anointing. Amen. You see, your experience in God's power shuts every argument. It's when we have an argument, people argue. Amen. But when you are walking in your office and somebody says, I have a migraine, and you tell the migraine to leave, he starts asking you which, 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 what, what do you believe about rapture, whether it's pre-rapture. No, he starts asking you, please, where do you worship? Amen. That's why Paul said that I did not preach with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and what power. May we receive that revelation in the name of Jesus. Why? Because that's how Jesus came. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with what? Power. Let me now finally close. This is the third one. This is the final pastor. This is the final. Amen. Please listen to me. One of the key things the Lord will restore to us as we follow this understanding is that we will recognize that when he anointed these disciples and when he empowered them, they saw the same resource that he had. You understand that? These men were not, when they began this work, they were not pastors. They were just people who had committed themselves to following Jesus. And I asked myself, if we truly are following him, why are we not seeing the same results that they saw? Part of the problem is that we need to renew our way of teaching people so that we can teach what he taught. Amen. Because if you are eating um, what you could call pap here, um, um, pap, right? Managia is a different thing entirely, pap. You know? But if you are eating that stuff, and somebody is eating maybe um, another kind of food, obviously they will have different effects in the body. They may, look, uh, they may look alike, but the difference, there's a difference. You understand that? So we need to discover what he taught them so we can walk in the experience that they walked in. Let me quickly say this. When you got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, and if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, that's a, that's a problem. Because in the first church, it was abnormal to hear that somebody will get saved, says he's born again, following Jesus Christ. And one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, we are still begging him to make an application to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We are still asking him to apply to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And bro, wouldn't you give a life? Wouldn't you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you get filled with the Holy Ghost? After five years as a Christian. Sister, what are you saying? You know, this experience, I don't really believe in it. And you are following Jesus Christ. Because those are following him, followed him to the baptism. He was baptized in power. And he let people into that same experience. Listen to me, you don't change society except by a superior power. Amen. Why? Because there's a devil out there who is doing his best to keep men in bondage. Amen. Pastor will never get to them. He can't get to them. You can't get to the people. They are too far from him, but you are close to the people. One of the lies Satan has sold to us in the church is speaking in tongues. And now they're looking at me. Praise God. What do I mean by that? 
Somebody gets born again. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He speaks in tongues. He forgets that the reason why he was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the first place was not so that he can speak in tongues, which is a benefit and a blessing. It was so that he can walk in power. So instead of living the life he needs to live to be consistent with the one who empowered him for that purpose, he sits at home and speaking in tongues. Wakes up in the morning, he's speaking in tongues. In the evening, he's speaking in tongues. The Lord did not promise us speaking in tongues. He promised us power. Power to do what? Power to change things. So some of us need to get off our backside and start doing what the Lord says to do. And start living how he expects us to live. So that the power can be evident. Amen. If that does not happen, all you'll be praying about is revival. You will not find the effect of it. So I thank God for the speaking in tongues. I do. Sometimes I've spoken in tongues for eight hours, nine hours. It's a wonderful experience when you know whom you're working with. When you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. Amen. So the, the challenge I live here with is this. As my father sent you, sent me, so also sent I you. We need as individuals to discover Christ and follow him through all that he has for us. Follow those whom he has set over you who follow him. Amen. So that as a people... The influence and the impact he had designed for us to have in our society as a, as, as, as a nation, we will be able to meet, meet that impact and fulfill that mandate. God bless you. Stand upon your feet quickly. Let's pray. Wow, thank you, Jesus. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Thank you. You all should listen to me. Amen. Amen. You know, well, at times like this, I, I prefer that everybody listens to me. Amen. Because even the people who are playing the keyboard to need to hear what I'm saying. Amen. Amen. So I appreciate your ministry, but listen to me. Now, I want to make a call. This is a simple call. A call for us who may need to rededicate ourselves to the revelation and to the person of Jesus Christ. We may be born again in the letter of it, but how about in the spirit of it? How about in the reality of that experience? Did you meet Christ or meet the church? When, who did you follow? Who did you hear? It's not enough to say, I put my hand up. Even the devil puts his hand up. Amen. Sometimes. No, it's for you to meet a person. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there is a need for a personal connection. A personal revelation of Jesus. And then a decision to follow him as a person. To walk by his words. To live by his example. To, to be led of his spirit in our lives. Then and only then will we be able to find our place in what he's trying to do. Then and only then will he be able to say, I will make you. Until that happens, the best you can do is to make yourself. And you're a poor counterfeit of what he wants to accomplish. At your very best. God wants you to walk on this earth as Jesus walked. In the same spirit, the same character, the same power, the same influence, right where you are. This is what he wants to do. He's the revelation of the manifestation of the sons of God. We've had it for years. That time has come. So can we just bow our heads to God in prayer for a minute? Now, if, now listen carefully. 
If you want to make that commitment, that dedication, that whatever it is, can I see your hand up? You want to make a commitment in that direction? You want to make, a, and this you're not, you're not saved, but you want to make a commitment in that direction. You, yes, God bless you. Lift up your hand. Come on, lift up your hand. When Jesus called Peter, it was a definite experience. A definite experience. Lift up your hand to heaven. Can we do this very quickly, please? Please step forward very quickly. Quickly step forward. Thank you. Just step forward very quickly. If your hands are up, step forward very quickly. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Step forward very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. A paradigm shift. 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 Thank you, Jesus. A paradigm shift. Just a change. A slight turning away. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. This is the healing of the body. This is the healing of the church. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Sometimes all it requires is just a paradigm shift. An adjustment of our thinking. Apollos, mighty in scripture, fervent in scripture, fervent in speech, but lacking something. All he required was just something to complete his revelation. The Lord was about to complete that revelation. He's about to give you that needed thing to stabilize your faith and to give life to your work with him. Jesus is a person. He's not a figure in history. He's a living Christ. When he said to his disciples, I will not leave you nor forsake you, they understood that he meant it literally. That he was with them every time. Can you put your hand upon your head or upon your chest? I want to pray with you, every one of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for how far you have brought us. We thank you for these words, Lord, that you have put in my mouth to speak to your people. Thank you, Lord, because these are the words for healing. These are the words for restoration. These are the words for realignment. So I ask, Lord, for everyone who's out here seeking, seeking, Lord, that revelation, that connection, reveal your son to them. Father, reveal your son to them. Lord, as they dedicate themselves to the Christ, as they decide to follow him, and as they decide, Lord, to, to, to walk in his steps as he walked in your steps, let their lives, oh God, begin to reflect his glory in the name of Jesus. Let them become carriers of that presence. Let there be things happening in them that they cannot explain but are tangible and are real in the name of Jesus. Let your hand be strong upon them. Lord, embolden them in the name of Jesus. 
cause them to walk, cause them to live as you have designed and ordained for them in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they may begin to lay their tracks for destiny. Lord, not the tracks they set for themselves, but the tracks you set for them. Because you said, you will make us. You will make us, Lord. We cooperate with you, but you will make us. So, Lord, I thank you and I give you praise in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to pray this prayer. We say, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge and I confess that you sent your son, Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld this glory. I ask in the name of Jesus that you will give me a fresh revelation of your glory in the face of your son. Father, I ask by your spirit, let Jesus come alive in me. Cause my eyes to behold the Son of God. Today, I confess that Jesus saved me. Jesus washed away my sins. That Jesus made me a new person. And Lord, I determine by the help of your spirit to follow you every single day of my life. This day, I make this confession and I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, you are the spirit of Jesus. I receive you. I acknowledge you. I say everything that Jesus said that you will do. Do in my heart. Do in my life. Let Jesus be magnified and the Father glorified. Amen. Amen. Some of you, some of you, as we are making that confession, you could feel God's presence upon you. Amen. Yeah, you could feel God's presence upon you. Some of you felt you are feeling some burdens lift off your heart. Amen. Now some things begin to make sense to you. Praise God. So we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. God bless you. Go to your seats. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.